0: But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness, and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord, as in days gone by, as in former years. So, good morning everybody, and uh, a passage that maybe we hear once a year at Christmas if we hear it at all, But certainly not one that, um, when I looked it up, ready to prepare for today, it it wasn't one that I thought, oh yes, I know this one really well. It took a bit of studying to find out about it. But let's just pray before I begin. Heavenly Father, there's so much in the Bible that we're familiar with and so much that we're not familiar with. And we pray that as we look at this, less familiar passage that you will take the uh, words that I've prepared and that you will breathe your life into them. Give us understanding of what you want to say to us today about being refined by Jesus. And we ask this in his name. Amen. So this book of Malachi is the last book in the portion of the Bible that was written in Hebrew. And it's a good prophecy to come last in the Old Testament because in it, Malachi is encouraging the people of Israel to get ready for the coming of the Messiah. And so that also makes it a good prophet for us to look at as we prepare for the coming of Christ at Christmas. Now, Malachi lived around the same time as prophets like Ezra and Nehemiah. And he was sent from God to encourage the children of Israel, the Jews, to turn back to God and mend their ways. Now this happened time and time again throughout the Old Testament, and it was something the Jews would change their ways and then fall back into old habits, change their ways, fall back into old habits. And that's a bit like us too. We change our ways but sometimes those ways slip back into our old habits and so the Jews of Malachi's lifetime were in a way very similar to us living in Britain today. In Malachi's day Jewish society had turned their back on the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and had gone and worshipped other gods. And as I say, that's like what is going on in the UK today. Many people might still call themselves Christians, but are not living the life that Christ wants. Their gods can be making money or idolizing football or pop stars or many other things. So in this prophecy, in this book, Malachi is seeking to motivate people to conform to God's plan. And his preaching has an overarching concern with the covenant that established a relationship between God and Israel and with all that that involved. Now, the people of Israel, many of them had been sent into exile. They'd lived in exile for generations. And when this was written, people had come back to the land of Israel. The temple had been rebuilt, but was nothing in comparison to Solomon's temple. The priests and the Levites were not really doing what they were meant to do, so temple worship was in a sorry state. The priests were a bit apathetic and were actually leading the people into sin, not away from it. There were strict rules in the Old Testament about what animals should be given for sacrifice, for worship. And in these days, worshippers were offering inferior animals as sacrifices. So instead of the best unblemished firstborn animals, they might sacrifice an animal that was born blind or had some other thing wrong with it. So there were many, many things that the people were not doing that God had asked them to do. This was a 100 years after the exile and the Israelites were living as evilly and corrupt as their ancestors had. And so this book of Malachi addresses their sins. They've corrupted the sacrificial system. They've hoarded their money. They're not giving their tithe and they're worshiping foreign gods. But despite all this, God doesn't forget his promises to deliver his people and establish a new Jerusalem. Now this passage speaks about purification and judgment, themes that we might not associate with the popular image of Christmas. But Advent, the period that we're now in, is the time of preparation, not only for remembering Christ coming first time as a baby, but also for his second coming when he will come in power and glory. So for the people at the time in despair, Malachi has good news. God will indeed appear. And he began the passage by saying, behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant covenant whom you desire, behold, he comes. So this message was one that would excite the people of Israel. The Lord is coming to the temple, he says. Not unlike our Christmas message, Jesus is coming born as a baby. We remember that every year. Now, when we know that important people are coming, could be our family coming around, could be a visit to church, some hard work is done. In biblical times, thousands of workers had to prepare the way before the king would travel anywhere. They fanned out across the countryside, removed rubbish from the road, tidied up the public buildings along the way, and generally made sure everything was at its very best for the king to see. Preparing for the king was hard work, and it still is today. So it's an apt word to us in this Advent season, God is coming. God is coming as a baby in Bethlehem, but God is also coming again in glory to judge the living and the dead, as we say in the creed. So Malachi also warns his hearers of the coming judgment. And it says, who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. Like one who burns away the dross in order to refine gold, God will burn away all the evil within us. Like the launderers who used a really harsh soap to clean a garment, God will bleach out the stains that sin has left in us. Refining gold and cleaning clothes are positive activities. But from the perspective of the gold and the clothing, the process, you can imagine, holds the prospect of pain. And so, bearing that in mind and thinking of the judgment, we're far away from the story of Bethlehem and the words and the sweet strains of the carol Away in a Manger. It's not all just pretty. Now, John the Baptist, is the one that God refers to as my messenger. That's what we take as being the messenger. And when it is said, the Lord whom you seek and the messenger of the covenant, covenant, I'm struggling with that word today, (laughs) Um, that's most often identified with Jesus himself It's the Lord who is like a refiner's fire and like the launderer's soap. It's him who will purify the people of the covenant. And despite our feelings or fears about this, this is actually good news. Because sin is separating us from God. Sin clouds and distorts the good creation God made us to be. And we are helpless to clean ourselves. Enter in the refiner of gold and the washer of clothes to do the cleaning for us. Now, that is not an easy process. There's pain involved in refining and cleansing. There's pain involved in dying to ourself and rising. But it's a process designed for our good and for our well-being to prepare us for the coming of the Lord. God coming into our midst as Emmanuel comes to destroy the evil in us and in the world, comes to draw us out of death and into life. And though this is an alarming prospect in one way, it's also one that should fill us with great joy. Christians know that the messenger who prepared the way for Jesus' first coming was John the Baptist, as I've already said. He came on the scene wearing camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist, quoting Isaiah, prepare the way of the Lord make his path straight. But Malachi had a message of warning. He said the coming of the Lord is ju- means judgment. I want to focus on one verse from our reading. This is verse 3 of Malachi chapter 3. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. I think that's really relevant today as Christians. But let me tell you a story that I came across on the internet about this. Some time ago, a few ladies met in a city to study the scriptures. While reading the third chapter of Malachi, they came upon a remarkable expression in the third verse. It was, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. One lady proposed to visit a silversmith and report back to them on what he said about the subject. So she went to visit the silversmith and without telling him why she was there, she begged the silversmith to tell her about the process of refining silver. After he had fully described it to her, she asked, but sir, do you sit while the work of refining is going on? Oh yes, madam, replied the silversmith. I must sit with my eyes steadily fixed on the furnace, for if the time necessary for refining be exceeded in the slightest degree, The silver will be ruined. The lady at once saw the beauty and comfort too of the expression, he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. God puts us, his children, into a furnace to purify us. His eye is steadily intent on the work of purifying and his wisdom and love are both engaged in the best manner for us. Our trials don't come at random, and he will not let us be tested beyond what we can endure. And before she left, the lady asked one final question. When do you know when the process is complete? Why, that's quite simple, replied the silversmith. When I can see my own image in the silver, the refining process is finished. Jesus wants our lives to be purified from the dross that stops us being a pure human being. He wants us to be pure as silver. God wants us to become more and more like Jesus was and indeed still is. And so he will touch the areas of our life that need reforming. And it's up to us how we will respond. And as you give up those things that are not pleasing to God, they will become your offerings in righteousness. I want to just read another story about Richard Vermbrandt that he wrote in his book, In God's Underground. Now, Richard Vermbrandt was a Lutheran minister in Romania during the communist rule, and he was put in prison for his faith by the communist authorities, two and a half years of which were in solitary confinement. Now, one day, a young, keen communist man was thrown into his cell because the young man had said something with which the state disagreed. When Wernbrandt, introduced himself as a pastor. The young man told him he wanted nothing to do with Christianity, citing Karl Marx's comment that religion is the opiate of the people. So Wernbrandt didn't try to evangelize him. As rations were very meager in prison, Wernbrandt used to share his bread with the young man. Slowly, over time, they became friends. And one day, the young man said, Tell me who Jesus is like. Verne replied quietly, Jesus is like me. To which the young man replied, Then I would like to get to know him. Now that's a great story, because I don't know if I would say to somebody, Jesus is like me. But what a great testimony to have to be able to say to somebody, Jesus is like me. I am like Jesus. Maybe if I did say that to somebody, they would want to know more about Jesus. But one thing I do pray for myself and for each of us is that the longer we are a Christian, the closer we become to being like Christ. As Jesus prayed, thy will, not mine, be done. The band want to start coming up, please. So how about you? How about me? Does our life reflect Christ? Or are we still very much a work in progress? Are we still needing to be in that refiner's fire? Have we been in the fire but need to go back in it again? And how would people react if you said, Jesus is like me. Amen.